All right. Good morning again, Emmaus. I don't think I introduced myself earlier, but my name is Owen. I'm one of the uh, pastors here, and we are so glad that you've gathered to worship with us this morning. If you have a Bible with you or a copy of the Bible on the phone and you want to bring that out, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Most of those verses will be up on the screen as well here in a few minutes, so if you don't have a copy of the Bible in front of you, you'll be able to follow along with what is on the, uh, what's on the screen. If you got a copy of one of those bulletins as you came in, there's some information on the back. You can kind of follow along with what we're, what we're doing this morning. If you're in here and you have young children uh, and they start to need some extra attention or get a little wiggly and need to go out, just know, number one, you're not going to bother me by them being in here. We want them to be in here. We are glad that you're here as, as a family. You might have even seen my daughter uh, make a guest appearance earlier during the baptism. So, uh, you know, we, this, is, this is how we roll. This is a good thing. We want to gather as, gather as families. But if you do need to go out into the lobby, know that you have that option as well. You can step out there. We have screens. I know they're excited about... Uh, the Easter egg hunt, and you're excited about the donuts and coffee, but we'll get them, get them out there. If you leave early, you don't get to go early to the Easter egg hunt. You just have to stay in the lobby and watch the, uh, watch the service, but you can go in and out, whatever, whatever works best for your family. We're just glad, glad that you're here. Hey kids, uh, imagine something with me, okay? Imagine that you're going to go to the movie. So you, you go to the movie, uh, you get your ticket there at the front, you buy your ticket, your parents took out a loan, and so you're able to get a Coke and popcorn uh, at, the, uh, at the snack area there. You get that. You walk down the aisle. Your shoes get very sticky. You sit down in the seat. You look up at the screen. Nothing comes on. Just, just a blank screen. So you sit there for a while. Your parents decide to go talk to the manager and say, hey, we got our ticket. We got our snacks. Our shoes are sticky. There's nothing... There's nothing on the screen. And the manager said, we don't do movies anymore. You got your ticket, you got your snacks, you'll get a bad headache when you leave into the light. That's really all you need. The movie's not that important. We, we don't do movies anymore. Well, that's ridiculous. You're a movie theater. You, you play movies. Imagine you come to church on Easter Sunday morning. It's good music. See some people who get wet. Guy stands on the stage, tries to speak to you for 25, 30 minutes. No resurrection. No Jesus. You would say there's something missing there. There's something missing. How, how can you have a movie without something on the screen? How can you have church or Easter without the resurrection of Jesus Christ? But if we're not careful... If we're not careful, we live in a part of the world where we would take all of the trappings of church even if the resurrection of Jesus wasn't at the core. We have to be so careful there that we don't get sucked into an idea of church or an idea of religion where we're, we're saying, oh yeah, we like the family, we like the Easter egg hunt, we like the music, that's really great. I can endure you talking to me for a little while. I like all that, I can deal with that. But you know, Jesus' resurrection, whether it's there or not, isn't, isn't so important. Something about us says, no, no, that's not right. That's not right. Here in just a second, I want you to watch a, a quick uh, video clip. It's an old 60 Minutes interview with Tom Brady. Tom Brady's not going to qualify as my favorite professional athlete of, of all time for sure. But anytime an athlete sits down and gives some 
honest, straightforward answers to questions that, that are presented, that, that deserves some respect. And so I want you to watch just this short video clip of a 60 Minutes interview with Tom Brady. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean, maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Did you hear what he said there? I put a few of the words from the... Uh, from the interview up on the, uh, up on the PowerPoint. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? God, there's got to be more than this. Interviewer asks, what's the answer? I wish I knew, I wish I knew. There's a book in the Old Testament part of the Bible called Ecclesiastes where people gain success, they gain status, they gain possessions, they gain all these things and then it's described as meaningless. If you have an old copy of the Bible, it might say vanity. It's a mist. We live in a world where we say, if I could just get X, then I would be happy. Then my life would be stable. Church people deal with this as well. If I could just accomplish this, if I could just attain this, this attitude especially comes at life transitions. You say, well, if I can just get a good degree in college or, or just find the right person to marry or if we just had kids or you get to that midlife crisis or you, especially when you get near retirement or maybe you, something happens in life and you have to face up with your mortality and you think, is this all there is? We don't have the looks of Tom Brady. We don't have three Super Bowl rings, but we do know what it is to search after something and just not quite be able to grasp it. You might be a place in life where life feels pretty successful, but on the inside you say, there's gotta be something more. God, what is it? And you say, okay, Owen, you totally set us up. You're gonna tell us it's the resurrection of Jesus. That is what I'm missing. Well, in fact, I am, yeah. That's exactly what I'm gonna tell you, but we're gonna take it from this angle. Let's say there was no resurrection of Jesus. What would that look like? What would that entail? If the resurrection of Jesus is how we make sense of this life that's in front of us, what does it look like if we don't have that? 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. I want you to watch what Paul does here. Paul's one of the writers of the New Testament. I want, to watch you, I want you to watch what the Bible does here in 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. If Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Here's what's happening in verse 12. Part of the early church preaching was the preaching that Christ had been raised from the dead, that Christ was raised according to the scripture. We just sang about it. The choir just sang about it a few minutes. That was early Christian, early church preaching. But the Corinthians, this church here in the ancient world, one of the things they struggled with is they kept drawing wrong conclusions from what was preached. They, they kept misunderstanding what was placed out there. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, we believe that Jesus rose again. But that doesn't actually mean that dead people are going to be raised one day. Yeah, yeah, okay, so Jesus was raised. But, but they didn't believe in a bodily resurrection. 
What most of the people in the ancient world, especially in this part of the ancient world, what most of them believed in is that your soul or your spirit would live on, but at death, that was the end of the body. But what the people in the early church were really preaching is not just that Jesus' soul or spirit lived on, but that truly his body was raised from the dead, that he was renewed. There are two misunderstandings here that impact our lives today. The first is, what I believe and what is preached really doesn't impact my real life. So the Corinthians could say, we believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. I'm not really sure how that impacts my life or, or my future. In church, in church, you always have permission to ask the so what question. If you're somebody that maybe church attendance isn't a particularly regular thing for you, or you're a little bit skeptical about what goes on at church and what's preached, know this. It is okay to ask, so what? Because what we are trying to present to you is not just a set of doctrines that we say, you need to believe this, check these boxes, and then your life will be okay. What we're saying is that what is proclaimed, what is found in the Bible, what is preached about Jesus is meant to impact our lives and our future. It really is God's word to you. It's God's word to us. It's not something that's separate. Hey, I do my church thing. I can listen to the preaching. I I even believe that, but it doesn't impact my life. And Paul says, no, it, it does. What we believe, what we preach, what we hold on to is meant to impact our life. And more than that, our hope is not just around spiritual things. Our hope is not just that our soul would live on or our spirit would live on one day. Our hope is that what happened with Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, that's meant to transform the entire creation. That's meant to transform every part of our life. So I don't have the spiritual, and and guys are particularly bad about this. There's the spiritual part of my life, there's the work part of my life, there's the family part of my life, there's the play part of my life, and all of those are kind of compartments that we keep separate. If the resurrection of Jesus is true, it's meant to impact every area of our lives. It is real life. It's not something spiritual, soulish, that just lives on after after death. It impacts everything. Look at verse 13 with me just for a second. Verse 13 says, But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Okay, Paul is about to start building an argument, and it's the type of of argument where the next few verses are going to pile on top of one another. He's going to make a conclusion, another conclusion, another conclusion, and it's going to feel like it gets deeper and deeper and deeper because what he's wanting us to do is face the reality that if there's no future resurrection, if if dead people aren't raised one day, then what happened to Christ is not even true because he died a fully human death and he was raised from the dead by God's power. Look at verse 14. This really starts to make sense here. Verse 14. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. If you're one of the people that likes to underline or circle words in your Bible, or your phone allows you to highlight words in your Bible app, the word vain, it may be a slightly different translation in in the copy that's in front of you, but the word vain is a very important word there. It's a word that's tied back to that Old Testament book, Ecclesiastes. It means just a mist, a vapor. 
It has no substance, no effect. It's a waste. Uh, I didn't think this illustration would work well, but it actually works well this morning. If you walk outside on a cold morning and you breathe and you see the little bit of uh, vapor in front of you, which actually happens in Oklahoma on April 1st uh, in the morning, but you, you breathe out and you see that little bit of vapor and then it's gone, that in a sense is the word vain. So look at verse 14 again. If Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. It has no substance, no effect, it's a waste, and your faith is also in vain. And just to make sure you feel the force of verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ was not raised from the dead, and if there is no future hope for the resurrection of the dead, we are wasting our time this morning. Said another way, I should be playing golf this morning. And you say, oh, Owen, no, no, you don't understand how much I love golf. I would still be playing golf this morning with the weather. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true, this is a total waste. And you say, oh, stop being so hard on yourself. You know, at least you're a person of faith. Religion really helps people feel better about their lives. No, 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 no. No resurrection of Jesus. Your preaching is in vain. It's a mist that will be here one day and gone the next. Your faith. You say, well, at least I'm a person of faith. No. Your faith is in something. Better yet, your faith is in someone. Jesus Christ, who died for you and raised again, if that's not true, your faith is not a crutch to make your life happier. Your faith is built on a false foundation. Because look at verse 15. Paul really builds the argument in 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. So not only is your preaching what I'm doing right now a waste of time, not only would your faith be a waste of time, but worse yet, you're lying about God because you're saying that God raised Jesus from the dead and one day in the future he will raise dead people to new life. You're saying that, but if Christ wasn't raised, it's a lie. Christianity, Christianity is built on a truth claim. So here's what I mean by that. Christianity is not you do you, I'll do me. Christianity is not just have faith and everything will turn out okay. Christianity is based on a truth claim that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that he rose again according to God's plan to transform all of creation, to transform all of humanity. It's built on that claim, and so we present that claim, which means on the backside of it that Christianity is also the most falsifiable religion in the world. A lot of religions are based on one person having a private experience that then they tell someone about later, or some religions are based on just a series of teachings that are laid out there, Christianity is based on an event, based on the actions of a person, that if the bones of Jesus Christ were found, this is a waste. It's based on something that happened in public, that can be assessed, that can be investigated. It wasn't one person having a private experience. It was the plan of God unfolded over thousands of years by multiple authors given to us to show who Jesus is and why he matters. 
And so when we stand up and say, Jesus died for your sins according to the scriptures and he was raised on the third day, that's not to make me feel better about my job. That's not to make you feel better about trying to get through life. It's saying that is our hope. That is the middle point, the dividing point of all of history, and that is where we place our faith. And so Paul says if that's not true, we're lying. We're misrepresenting God. Just in case we didn't get it, verse 16 in that same chapter, if, if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised, which leads to 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. There's that word again. It's a different word, but it's connected to vain. Obviously, it's a very similar idea. Your faith is futile. It's worthless. And you are still in your sins. So we've been talking about the fact that when Christ died on the cross, he paid the price for our sins. But can I tell you, a dead Savior is no Savior at all. That if all we have is Christ who died on the cross and then he was laid in the grave and that's the end of the story, we're on our own. That is not hope to overcome the power of sin. We know that we're able to overcome the power of sin because he rose again. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was raised by God's power on the third day to say you're no longer on your own. You're not trapped in sin on your own. Let me lay something out there for you that was really helpful for me the first time I heard it. And this isn't on your notes, but if you want to write it in, it might be helpful. Christianity is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people coming to life. Christianity is not about bad people becoming good. It's about dead people coming to life. Unless you're concerned, I didn't come up with that. I'm not nearly that smart or creative to say that. But this was really helpful for me. Your greatest need in life, and if you're not a religious person, if, if church is kind of outside the bounds for you a little bit, hear me out on this. Your greatest need in life is not to be a better person. Your greatest need in life is not to be a nicer person. Your greatest need in life is to be made new. God is not calling you to a better life. He's calling you to true life. And in sin... We are enslaved to that. And there is no way on our own power we can get ourselves out of that. But because of the cross and the resurrection, we have the prospect of new life. And so I'm not searching for success. I'm not searching for status. I'm not trying to get my life together on my own. I'm saying I can't attain any of that. But because of who Jesus is and what he has done, he has made a way. So I'm putting everything I have on him. He is my hope. Verse 18, if Christ has not been raised, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. What Paul is saying here is if Christ has not been raised, then when the body dies, that's the end of it. There, there's no future hope. Let me read you a quick quote here from Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking's a he passed away recently, but was a, a longtime well-known physicist and uh, atheist. And here's what Hawking said. I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy tale for people who are afraid of the dark. And Paul would say, if there's no resurrection of Jesus, that's accurate. If there's no resurrection of Jesus... There's no hope after this life, that this is it. When this life is finished, you're finished. But the early Christians held on to this hope that 
what has happened to the dead is not the end of the story, that there is hope beyond this life. Verse 19, let's look at one more thing. This kind of piles up, piles up, and then we're going to release the tension here in a second. Verse 19, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. That's kind of a strange phrase, strange word. Here's what Paul is saying. When Jesus came and he spoke to us about being a part of the kingdom of God, and he said, this is what I'm going to lay in front of you. He talked about enduring suffering, making sacrifices, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, don't take revenge, forgive, deny yourself, give yourself away for the good of others. All of this sacrificing, all this suffering. Paul says, if this life is all you have, that is a pitiful way to live. If this life is all you have, eat, drink, be merry, live it up, party it up. If it's this life and then nothing else, live however you want, live for yourself. What would it be like to say, oh, I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to do good for others, I'm just going to suffer and, and deal with it, and then, well, this life is all I have. Paul says that logic doesn't work. If this life is all you have, live for all the pleasures. Attain everything you can. Go after it. But if this life is not all there is, if Christ was raised from the dead, if there is a future hope for resurrection, then I don't have to live just for the things of this world. I'm not living trying to see how many possessions I can accumulate, how much status I can gain, how much suffering I can avoid. Instead, I say, God, use me now for eternal purposes. Here's my life. I lay it before you because I know that what I'm facing right now is not everything there is. And Paul says the way you live this life is based on what you believe about the resurrection of Jesus. No resurrection? Live it up. Resurrection transforms everything about how you live now. And the good news is this sets you free from two dangerous forms of religion. The one is a prosperity form of religion. Believe God and he'll give you a whole bunch of good things right now. Ooh, that's dangerous because you find yourself living for now, not for what God has for you. And worse yet is a form of religion where I use religion to build my power. And in the sickest form, I use religion to build my political power or my social power because everything good is found right now. Paul says, not if the cross and resurrection is true. Not if the cross and resurrection is true. It changes everything. Okay, let's back up and summarize this. I've kind of put it up on the screen. I think I wrote it in your, in your bulletin, maybe. Let's, let's kind of summarize this. If the resurrection isn't true, and I, I hope, you may be here and say, you know, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I'm not sure if what you're telling me is true or not. Here's what I would tell you. Start at the idea of the resurrection. If you're curious about Christianity, if you're curious about the things of the Bible, don't get distracted by a whole bunch of things over on the side. Start at the resurrection, because if, if this is not true, I'm leaving for the 1045 service and finding a tea time. If this is true, it changes everything. If the resurrection isn't true, proclaiming Christ is a waste. Faith has no real effect. It's just a crutch to help you endure life. We are lying about God, about what God does, who he is. We are still in our sins. All the darkness and pain and junk in your life, you're on your own to figure that out. Four, or four, that five, those who have died have perished. 
Christians who talk about their loved ones who have passed on and that with the Lord, they're really just making that up to make themselves feel better about death. If there's no resurrection, that body is dead and gone. That's, That's the end of the story. Six, we have only this life, so we should be pitied for suffering and sacrificing for something that is a lie. If there's only this life, live it for all you can get out of it. But, next slide. If the resurrection is true, proclaiming Christ is crucial. One of the things we say at Emmaus is that we exist to proclaim and display Jesus. We don't need to make our church popular. We don't need to build our own status. All we can do is set before you Jesus Christ and say, in him is found life. Turn to him. He has everything good to offer. Faith is effective. There's a result of faith. What You say, what, why, what does it do for me? You are made right with God through Jesus Christ. Not by getting baptized, not by living a good life, not by getting your life together. You are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's effective. It has results. God's power and word are true. You are free from sin in Christ. Death is not the end, and we learn to live for more than this life. So here's what I'm calling you to this Easter. Don't waste the resurrection. If the resurrection is not true, this is a waste. But if the resurrection is true, don't waste it. Turn from yourselves and receive the forgiveness and the life that comes through Christ. And remember that what you are facing now is not the end of the story. This might be the phrase, this might be the part that some of you need to hear. Because you're in darkness and you're in pain and you're facing suffering that goes beyond anything that anybody knows around you. It's internal, it's deep, and it's dark. And what I would want you to know is what you are facing now is not the end of the story because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he has overcome all sin, all darkness, all pain. There is hope beyond whatever you are going through right now in life. And because of that, we can sacrifice radically, and we can live boldly. Belief in the resurrection doesn't take away my engagement with this life. It transforms everything about this life. It transforms everything I do in this world. As we wrap up our service, help me out on this. We're going to transition here in just a couple of minutes, grab some donuts. We're going to take the kids over, have a lot of fun. Before we do that, though, before we do that, I want to call you to a couple of things. On the bottom of your bulletin, if you got one of those copies coming in, there's a couple of ways to respond. And before we walk through those, you say, well, how can I respond? Well, first, I would ask you to respond immediately. There are going to be people down here at the front. If you're in the stadium seating and saying, that's embarrassing, I'm not going to walk all the way to the front, there are going to be people in that landing area just below the stadium who want to be able to pray with you. Right now, if you're going through something and you say, I do not know how to get past this, we want you to know it's not the end of the story and we want to pray with you. If that's a step too far, if talking to somebody right now is not going to work for you, let me give you two other ways to take advantage. You have my permission to get your cell phone out right now and send me an email and say, hey, I couldn't go down there. There's some things that I can't tell people right now, but I need to know more about the resurrection. My email is on the bottom of your bulletin. You pull your phone out and email me right now. There's also a card on the seat back in front of you, one of those connect cards, guest cards, 
you can fill that out and either give it to me on your way over to the egg hunt. There are black boxes on the wall as you exit. You can place that card in there. Can I just beg you, though, don't come this morning and take all the things surrounding church. Don't come and take the egg hunt. Don't come and take the great music. Don't come and take the time with your family and miss the resurrection of Jesus. Because if we do, we've missed everything that matters. Kids who are here, you guys saw baptism this morning. That's the kind of work that God wants to do in your life. If you're curious about that, ask your parents, ask your grandparents. Now may not be the time for you to be baptized, but now's the time you can ask questions about that and they can tell you more about what's happening. That God would call you to salvation, that he would call you to say, you know what, I believe in the resurrection, I really do, but I haven't been serious about the way it impacts my life. I've lived as if there is no resurrection and I need to get right with God today that God would call you to be a part of a church. Throughout the month of April, here at Emmaus, what we're going to answer is the question, if the resurrection is true, so what? So we're gonna spend the month of April saying, if the resurrection is true, how does that impact my life now? How does that transform the way I, I live? If you guys don't have a church home, we'd love for you to be a part of what's going on here. We'd love for you to be a part of worship and growing in your faith. And if you do believe the resurrection is true, and you do believe it transforms everything in your life, tell somebody about it. It is the great news of history. It's not you do you, me do me, it's can I, can I share with you about Christ? And you say, I don't know very much about the Bible. That's okay, cut straight to the resurrection. Jesus died on the cross for my sins, he was buried, he came back to life, that's not just something I believe in my head, but it's something that changes everything about my life, and I want you to know about it. You can lay that before somebody. I'm gonna pray for us. After I pray, we're gonna sing the final song. That final song is a chance for you to come for prayer. Send me an email on your phone. Fill out that card in front of you, or maybe you just stand and sing with all your heart. This is our chance to respond to the Lord. Let me pray for us. Uh, our musicians are gonna come back up here, and we're gonna sing that final song together this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray that in what has been said this morning, we haven't done anything to overcomplicate what is a very simple message. And it's a message that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ was raised. And if Christ was not raised, then we're on our own. But Father, we are here this morning to celebrate the resurrection. Not because it's a cultural thing to do in Oklahoma, not because we wanted to spend time with our family or watch our kids have a good time. We've come because we believe the resurrection is at the core of history and we believe the resurrection is at the core of our lives. If Christ has been raised, it changes everything for us. Father, I pray if there are those here this morning that are living in a lot of pain, maybe they've attained a lot of success in life, but it still feels a little bit empty and meaningless. Father, I pray that they would turn to Christ and find true life, abundant, eternal life. God, draw people to yourself. Change our lives from the inside out. We don't need to be better people. We need to be new people. God, may the power of the resurrection impact our lives and our church right now.
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.